it's not a case of being rock and roll and and making it and then leaving your kitchen when you're 30 because you're already done you're already burnt out hello and welcome to another episode of the burnt chef journal hosted by myself chris hall the founder of the burnt chef project this week's guest is claire smith who has recently become the first female three Michelin star chef within the UK. She joins us to talk about her career spanning over 15 years working for Gordon Ramsay and also what it's like now to own her own business at Core and the direction in which she wants to go in terms of promoting staff well-being, looking after them in terms of their resilience and also building their skill sets. I was taken back by how driven and how insightful Claire was and also her vision for hospitality. And it's an episode that I really hope that you enjoy as much as I did. Lamb Western are your partner in potatoes. We're a leading global frozen potato manufacturing business with a wealth of experience in offering a portfolio of high-end and quality products on a consistent basis. We supply the pub, casual dining, QSR sectors. We believe in well-being through potatoes and we are very proud to support the Burnt Chef Project, here to offer our support and help for those that need it and any solutions that you need for you and your business. Hi Claire. Hi. How are you doing? Good, thanks. You? Yeah, not too bad at all, thank you. Firstly, um, thank you very much for, for joining me. And uh, yeah, also congratulations as well on the, uh, on the three Michelins. It's uh, an incredible achievement. How does it feel? Yeah, I mean, it feels great, obviously. Um, dream come true for me. Um, you know, it's one of those things you always work work as hard as you can and just hope hope you get there one day um but yeah I mean it, it's it's great and I think you know I, I obviously put a lot of work into my career I'd spent 15 years working at three mission starred level previously so it goes to show that that work paid off and that that um and it was worth it to to do it in core in just over three years it was pretty cool so the team are ecstatic it's um I mean it's a momentous a momentous occasion I'm, hopefully you've made the most out of it despite the current restrictions and lockdown yeah, we just have to, you know, like I think at this current situation, um, you know, globally, everyone's in the same boat and, you know, I'll take the three stars. I'm very happy with that. Um, and I'll wait patiently to be able to celebrate with the guests it is kind of first world problem. So, um, you know, I know we're going to reopen. We're we're very solid. We've got a brilliant team. We've got all our team. They're still well and healthy. They're still with us. Um, so we do have to be grateful for that. Um, and we will just have to wait. Yeah, definitely. So Claire, what I usually like to do on these podcasts is just start by asking my guests to talk a little bit about their culinary journey and, and what's, uh, how they got into the industry, what sort of inspired them into, into hospitality in the first place and sort of how they've come to come to winning three Michelin stars uh, currently. So I wondered if you could just take us through that a little bit, please. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, I, like lots of chefs, um, started cooking at the age of 16, um, grew up in Northern Ireland, moved uh, moved to the, uh, London, really, um, with, for my first job at Babendum in South Kensington. Um, and then it was really about um, Michelin for me, Michelin stars, uh, it's what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, worked in France around Ducasse, uh, for Gordon for many many years and and then obviously core in 2017 so that was my goal um to own my own restaurant and 
and yeah, here I am. That's amazing. I saw that uh, in, I think, an interview you did with The Guardian, you said that uh, from the very early days, Gordon said that he was going to make you into a leader, which I found quite interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was quite a shy um, young chef, I think. Um, and so, yeah, he said to me, you know, as a young as a young person, um, you know, you're shy, but you've got talent. Um, and, and, you know, we're going to teach you how to run a kitchen and the best kitchen I could possibly learn to, to, to train in. Um, and yeah, that, that was it really, but the best possible place for me. Was that something that you, you thought you'd like to have done in terms of like actually lead a team? I know that Michelin was the sort of the ultimate goal, but had leadership ever sort of come into that, that equation for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think naturally I, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of you, like all chefs, I guess you 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 start running a section first, um, then you know you get promoted sometimes too quickly in this industry. Um, you know, it's almost like you get half a brain, you get promoted before you've actually grown up or or have any management skills. Um, and I I got through you know restaurant Gordon Ramsay pretty quickly. I think by the age of twenty five, I was already senior sous chef, um, and then I went off to France, but. You know, I, my first really sort of head chef job, I was I was actually 21. So before that, I was already a head chef in Cornwall um, at the age of 21. I was a terrible cook, um, but it, it kind of taught me a little bit of taking responsibility. So I could do a food cost, I could do a menu, I could do things like that. But I knew ultimately that I wanted to work at a top level, which is what I did in 2002 by going to to restaurant Gordon Ramsay but I think you know I was 28 when I took over restaurant Gordon Ramsay um you know I was young uh, a big big responsibility that kitchen probably the most famous restaurant in the world um the only three Michelin star restaurant in London at that time and I was the first woman to head that up and, and everyone was pointing that out was saying you know she's the first woman and, and that put a lot of pressure on me because I didn't want to be the first woman to lose three Michelin stars. And that was playing on my mind the whole time. And I think, you know, I, I was filling big shoes, you know, and it was uh, eyes were on me and it was a case of, can she handle it? Is she strong enough? And so I started to run the kitchen very much in the same style that that kitchen had been managed in. And actually all kitchens were quite full on and, and aggressive places um in that time you know louis kens and alan ducasse there was no holes barred in that kitchen either um but you know and perhaps i wasn't the best manager back then well i definitely wasn't you know i i didn't have um the experience the life experience to to lead a team you know many of them were still older than me i think something that we in this industry never teach people how to be good managers and it was something that you know, Gordon worked with me a bit on. And then, you know, as time went on, I grew into my own shoes, my own confidence. As I retained the Michelin stars every year, I started to develop a bit more my own style. And then just realized probably by the age of about 30 that, you know, I needed to change. I needed to change for me um, to be a better manager and, and to be have a better team that wasn't just leaving all the time because back then it was like a revolving door of staff. Um, and it was all about being tough and it was that kind of environment of that adrenaline fueled environment. And actually it wasn't me, it wasn't who I was. And so 
I then started to really think about how I could turn it around. Um, and that's when, from that day on, I think, you know, restaurant Gordon Ramsay started to change. And then it evolved completely by the time I left. I, mean, I think, you know, there were times where we had, you know, nine or 10 chefs in the kitchen. In the beginning, by the time I left, there was 18, 19. And it was a great team. And I know you spoke to Matt Abbey, uh, who was one of those guys in that team with me. And we transformed the restaurant. And then when Core opened, we decided we would go even further, a step further with how we would look after our team and maintain our own uh, well-being as well as my own well-being because it's our lives you know <laughs> this is my this is my life this restaurant I, I come into it every day it's my home and I want to enjoy it I want it to, I want everyone to enjoy it um, and I think that's so important to to be able to go into work and, and feel happy um, and it is our lives you know we spend more time at work than than anywhere else yeah, certainly. I mean, it's, uh, the hospitality industry is notorious for being a tough industry, but also very long hours. And, and we are a family, you know, we have to look out for each other and, and most importantly, enjoy where we work. But um, I mean, I guess what I'm, I'm quite intrigued, I'm on using this podcast almost as a, as a void of discovery as well, because I think there are many people out there who just don't know where to begin in terms of how they change. And and as you say, your first couple of years, you went about it perhaps the, the wrong way, um, but it was the way that you've been taught or the way that you inherited and, and that you knew. So how, how did, long does it take you to start to change things within that sort of environment and what sort of things did you change? Um, I really started to um, just start to talk to people a bit more. The, the team just started to understand a little bit about different people's personality types. You know, back then I thought that I could make everyone do everything, you know, and I didn't understand that not everybody can do everything and everybody is different and you don't have to throw them out because they can't do a certain thing and everybody's at a different level. So really start to see people as individuals um, and they're on separate journeys. And actually it's something that, you know, saying that even further to that, to core um, now, you know, individuals were so important to me because I love to see their personality. Like it's, it's as I say, it's my life. It's my, my family around me here. It's like, you know, personality, someone that's cheeky, someone that's got a smile, someone's better at looking after someone else. And actually, maybe not everyone in the kitchen is going to cook the, the fish or the meat section, but someone might just be that common comedian in that kitchen that just lifts everyone else. And that's just as important. Someone might be more caring. Someone might be really hardworking. But a team is made up of individuals with different personalities and different strengths. And that's something that I, I learned more and more about and actually have so much more enjoyment out of seeing these young people that work with us and their personalities. Yeah, I mean, it must be incredible. I'm, I'm assuming that your retention is... Uh... Is, is strong within core and you've I take it a lot of people you probably worked with previously as well have you yeah huge Chris do you know what I did when when I when we got the three stars I, I looked at the team because I was going to do something for them can't tell them yet what it is but um and I got the 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 sort of the team the staff and I went through how long they had been here for and so we've been here for for um, just over three years. And actually there were 18 members of staff that had been here for almost the whole three years. And I think there's about another 14 that had been here more than 18 months. And when I looked at that and I thought to myself, do you know what? That's why I've got three stars. That's why right there. That's the evidence. It's just 
maintaining an incredible team, working with them and training them. That that's that says it all. And and that's the proof of the pudding how how important it is to to retain and look after your staff. Yeah, massively. So I mean, it, it seems uh, over the years we've we've got used to the fact that if you want to obtain accolades and if you want to be the best, and you have to do it at all, all personal costs, and and also not just personal costs, but the cost of other individuals as well around you. And what you're saying is is actually no, you you don't need to do any of that. You can actually run. Uh, a happy, healthy business, whilst also achieving all your sort of greatest ambitions, really. Um, yeah, definitely. We used to think that you know, at all costs, like you say, at all costs, you had to work 18, 19 hours a day, and at all costs, of all sacrifices personally and and people sacrifices. And our restaurant director Rob, we said how ridiculous that is to what to cook some wealthy people some food to get them their dinner on time. You know, we need to keep things in perspective. Um, and look after our health and well-being and looking after our health and well-being does result in 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 better food better service and confidence like one of the most important things for us at core and since day one has been the training so we do eight services a week and every wednesday we train um and that's presentations for the team and we've done it since since day one and we've religiously stuck to it and that training has given the team so much knowledge and confidence it's given them the tools to do their job well so they're bulging with with that information when they come out and speak to the guests or when they've got new people coming into the kitchen it just makes them well-rounded individuals and as we know you know that knowledge and skill is what's lacking in the industry you know we, we think that kids are, are getting promoted far too fast because like I said they, they show um, some signs of uh, taking on responsibility um, and intelligence and then they get promoted and then they're they're too young they don't have the life experience they get burnt out and either they leave or they just feel like they're crap because because they they shouldn't have been put in that position so we need to keep it slow we need to teach them train them well and and you know being a manager or a leader even a chef to party in a kitchen you'll have people from all different cultures backgrounds experience levels age language and you're expected to manage them what when you're 24 mm. are you going to be a good manager you just you know that's really important as you know as leaders of the industry that we we manage our, our young people well you know and, and let them grow properly in the industry so when they do get up the kitchen to chef to party sous chef head chef level that they are able to cope with doing that job well and enjoy it and not get burnt out and not be put under too much pressure because it that's what destroys the industry. Yeah, massively so. And I'm I'm 100% with you on that. There is a huge skill shortage now and it's it's exacerbated by certainly a lot of the you know, we're seeing the turnover of staff happen at much lower ages now. It used to be where, you know, you get to 50 or 16 and you, you would sort of retire, but now we're seeing that at much lower levels and then that sort of skill shortage and that gap is increasing because of the fact we just don't know how to, or up until recently, we haven't worked out how to stem that tide. So, you know, one thing that we want to do is, is educate. Um, specifically, uh, my target is around management and giving people the tools and building their resilience in order to be able to understand better how people operate and what makes a good team and how to, as you said, like, you know, how to look at individuals and retain them and look at their skill sets and work within their skill sets so that you've got a team that works with you and will be prepared to go through thick and thin with you as well, but without having to rule through fear. Um, 
it's such a vitally important thing and and i just i would just wish more business owners were were prepared to spend their time not necessarily money but just time looking at how to implement these changes because it's not costly well, I, is it no but it, there, it isn't but there should be there's a, a certain amount of time that we should invest in our team in that training and getting them getting them through it's it's i've said the most valuable tool for us um you know kids don't need to be in so much of a hurry i want them to reach their full potential i don't want them to be a, a head chef before they're ready and and then they're not learning anymore and then and then they never really reach their full potential and it is a difficult industry you know you want to give them everything that they can you're always going to have to work hard you know to be at any top level in any industry for sure it's going to particularly the hospitality industry but that training and knowledge is 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 power for them and they'll have it for the rest of their lives and yeah i can't express enough the importance in spending that time and training and also difficult um subjects that we've we've faced so you know things like you know we're working with customer service training and we're planning diversity training coming up and it's not enough to do one session on it it's got to be done every three months every six months so that with refreshers done you know i listened to the the reservations team on the phone you know with difficult customers and you know it can upset them the whole day i think you know any neg negative feedback that any of us get can really ruin us for the whole service or, or we take it with us how we take it home with us we, we can dwell on it all weekend we always take things so personally in this industry and i'll watch my staff really struggle to deal with that mm. and because someone's just being rude and now it's about how do we prepare them how to handle uh, difficult customers um you know how sometimes in a restaurant uh, harassment of young young female staff from you know from drunken customers it's happened I've, I've, it's happened at core where i've had to to ban one of our, our our regulars um and you know it was something that i saw happen and that member of staff didn't want to say anything and and it was i felt really angry about that that they didn't feel like it was important to say something and, you know, as young kids in their mid-20s, they shouldn't feel like they should have to put up with things, but they also don't know how to deal with it. But that's up to me as a leader to give them the tools of how to deal with difficult people and difficult situations, because I think brushing it off isn't good enough. You know, saying, oh, we just won't let that, that, that person go to that table. No, we should give them the confidence to say, you know what, don't touch me, or, you know, it just just give them all the tools that they know, right, this is how I deal with this, this situation. I'm going to fall back on my training now. And, and they just go, go through it clockwork. Um, so that's something, you know, I'm, I'm going to do more and more in the future. And we, when we reopen it, it'll be, it'll be set in stone and, and diversity training, just reminding them, you know, about bad habits that we all get into. I'm terrible, actually. Do you know, and, and admitting that you're slipped back sometimes, you get annoyed or angry or you say things you shouldn't because you slip back to how we were trained and brought up. And I do it. And the head chef does it as well. And we have to catch ourselves sometimes and think, you know, and sometimes I do say to the guys, you know, you have to excuse me. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have barked at you like that. You have to excuse me. Sometimes I slip back to how I used to be or, or how I was trained. And, and I know that it's not, it's not right yeah but you are also only human at the end of the day and we all have these these rise and falls of emotions especially when you're in a in a high-pressured environment trying to maintain you know ex 
extremely high standards it's you know it's always going to get the better of, of you eventually but being able to show that vulnerability afterwards i think is key to empowering your staff to realize that you are only human and you also make mistakes as well as a leader which i think is is crucial really isn't it yeah yeah for sure um but yeah as i said it's it's about also looking at other industries so not just thinking about how do we uh, challenge things, you know, looking at sports, looking at how other industries train and handle people. I always find it quite useful um, to look at sort of sport in particular, how uh, teams train and things, um, because it's that same sort of ethos and mentality. Glad, I'm quite interested to find out how you sort of coped during your transition from, uh, well, from, from working within the kitchen environment to leading a, a team of a three Michelin. I mean, that could, there must have been, especially, as you say, with the additional pressure of retaining those three Michelin stars as as a female chef. Like, how did you handle that at the time? Um, I, 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 to be honest with you, I just threw everything at it. I think, I, you know, I worked 18, 19 hours a day. I mean, I just I just worked and worked and worked and put my head down. I, I was fierce. Uh, I, I was fierce. I was fueled with adrenaline all the time. Um, I mean, I remember Gordon coming in and saying, you know, you've you've got more press than the prime minister today. You know, what have you done? Because the media attention, I had the Sun newspaper turning up at my parents' house in Northern Ireland when when it all came out. You know, so the pressure was really like high. It was bad enough, you know, anyway, first head chef's jobs, most difficult enough Then, you know, the most famous restaurant, probably or one of the most famous restaurants in the world. Um, and, you know, and also taking it over. So it was like a, a stress of, of thinking, you know, they're not mine to lose kind of thing. And I need to prove myself and I need to show everyone that, that I can do this. The eyes of the world are on me. And, and years later, someone said to me, they thought that Gordon was mad to put me in charge of Hospital Road. And then they said to me, my God, did you prove us all wrong? But, you know, the pressure was definitely there. And, and as I say, I, I probably you know, vented that in not being the best leader. Um, and, and you know, and that sort of, I look back on, it's not something I'm really proud of. You know, it was a culture of a kitchen of that time. Um, but, you know, we we went through really difficult times, you know, we're short staffed, like the real sort of grind stuff that everyone goes goes through. I think the company, the, the group was going through a difficult time as well at that point. Uh, Gordon was incredibly busy all over the world. Um, and it was left in my hands and I felt, you know, I had to survive. It was survival a lot of the time. Um, so regardless of, of what was going on, I had to maintain those three stars. And also, if I didn't, kind of my career would have been over as well. I mean, it was it was a huge amount of pressure. But as I said, by the time I got to the first couple of years under my belt, I needed I realised I needed to change, um, grow up a little bit, be a better manager, be a better leader and start to evolve the kitchen um, and stop running it like how it had been run previously or, you know, stop looking at that and start to move to the future. And, and also my own personality. Like I actually, I'm very quiet. Like I like complete silence in the kitchen. Like I don't like any banging of pans or, or anything. Um, so I started to evolve and change it. And Gordon always let me do whatever I wanted. You know, he always backed me, which was the most fantastic thing. I mean, he always let me get on with it. And and he he said, you know, if you if you fail, it's your fault, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> no he, gave it, he let me do it. If I could, you know, if I could show to Gordon, this is what I want to do, this is why I want to do it, he would always let me crack on with it. 
Um, but he would come into the kitchen and, and he said he wouldn't even recognise it after a while. He said it's unnervingly quiet um, because we just changed it and it was a lot less stressful for everyone. We maintained the team. We started to build things much better, you know, like all the stuff that people started to do, which is, you know, cook better meals for people, you know, try and get them half a shift off or a day off and start to really not just work people into the ground. And, and you know, Gordon was really wanting that to change the company. Gordon Ramsay Group really desperately wanted to evolve out of that. So it was a good time to do it. And and by the time, you know, it, it transformed the place and, you know, some of the people that were with me on the journey remember the early days to to how it was at the end and how it is now. It's a completely different place to work. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised when I was chatting to Matt, actually, and he said, like, what a joy it is working working there and, and working with you and, and also working with Gordon as well, because obviously we only see this, we only see what the TV and the uh, presenters want us to see. But actually, from from what I've been hearing recently, I spoke to Paul Ainsworth the other day as well. He said the guy is a, is a legend, like a fantastic mentor and, a, you know, one who's fully present with you at the time and very interested in what you're up to. And it's so refreshing, refreshing to hear as well. Yeah. I mean, he's been a fantastic mentor to me. I still talk to Gordon regularly and he helped me tremendously with core opening. Um, you know, he, he actually, you know, he took me to, for, to the bank, you know, he got his relationship manager uh, at Barclays for lunch with me one day uh, to present my business plan. Um, you know, he set me up with Coots. He set me up with, you know, to, to help me get me, um, you know, sort of the agents to look for the properties and he came to the site with me and, and all those things. And yeah, I mean, he helped me a lot more than people know um, financially as well, you know, and just, yeah, he, he had already, he, he said to me, he's achieved more than he ever dreamt of in his life. And he just wants to see that people like myself, who've been very loyal to him um, through thick and thin uh, also achieve success. That's incredible. And thank you for that insight as well. Um, in terms of personal and like in personal care and self-care, because one thing that we were trying to do at the moment is we want to encourage more people to come into the industry. That's the ultimate goal of this whole thing. And we want a much more sustainable industry as well. But we, to do that, we need happier, happier staff and we need, you know, better cultures within in businesses. I mean, I'm very interested to learn how, I mean, the amount of stress and pressure that you must have experienced in your life i can't even begin to imagine in terms of being able to uphold all those standards how have you looked after yourself over over these years um i much better now obviously than than when i was younger um yeah i mean i just learned to sort of uh, take more time for myself i think one of the biggest things for me is is uh, time to think I think thinking is really, really important. I think processing things in your own head is something that's really important, like working things out to know till you get to a decision about how you feel it's about something so you can move on. Sometimes I'll do it overnight. Sometimes I'll, I like to walk every day. Um, you know, I've got a, a little dog. We go on quite long walks, um, get out in the, the fresh air. And uh, yeah, thinking and having that time to process what's going on in your life is, is incredibly important. And obviously, you know, being surrounded by by good people that you can ask advice uh, to. I think it's something really important, um, you know, but asking the advice of the right people. That, that's something that I find that's really important. You know, it's no good asking the advice of your, of your best mate if it's about something about your career. You know, ask the advice of someone who's achieved 
what you want to achieve and mm. someone that you admire. You know, it's great to have a good mentor that you can reach out to and say, you know, I, I, I want to do what you've done. How, how do I get there? So talking is very important and surrounding yourself with good people, experiencing what we do also. I think eating out for us is really, really important because we should know how other people feel, you know, how our guests feel as well. It's, you know, we want to, we're practicing the art of hospitality. We should also try to enjoy it ourselves. So we, yeah. we love it. You know, we're really, really passionate about it. We should be passionate about doing it and receiving it. Um, and people working with people in the hospitality, wider hospitality industry to know that, you know, they go through the same things as you do. You know, when I was the head chef at restaurant, Gordon Ramsay, um, Jocelyn, was a head chef at Alan Ducasse at the Dorchester. Now I had just come back from working with Alan Ducasse um, in Monaco. Actually, the the one of the funnier stories was I was actually supposed to. He offered me the executive sous chef job at the Dorchester, um, and Gordon also offered me the head chef's job. So he wasn't very happy when I left to take over Hospital Road. But Jocelyn and I used to um, have lunch on the Saturday together and talk about we'd, we'd be facing the same things. Sometimes Jocelyn would phone me up and, and tell me to calm down a little bit if I wasn't, if I had a, been a bit too uh, harsh with someone that he knew or, you know, and we, we looked out for each other. And, and I think that that's really important just to pick up the phone and, and talk to people that are in our industry that you can say, yeah, you know, you face the same challenges as media and that's normal. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that thinking is a big one as well. Certainly as I get, as I've got older, I realise that I shouldn't be so quick to come to decisions, whether that's about my own life or about business, business matters. And sometimes it just sits in the back of your brain for, could be for an entire week and eventually it will claw its way to the surface and, and become clearer. Um, that's not to say that everyone has that experience in all times. And as you say, leaning upon someone else to be able to help clarify that thought process is, is key really. Um, I wondered if there's any sort of top tips that you would have, uh, aside from the bits that we've discussed, for any person who is sort of looking at following suit, not necessarily heading for the Michelin, but, you know, if there are any other cultural changes or any other things that you can suggest to improve the overall well-being of either themselves or their teams? I think, I mean, the key uh, is all, well, putting a comfortable environment for people to work in is, is kind of the, the first thing, isn't it, before any other evolution. So, you know, I think we always say happiness isn't, you know, isn't about, you know, wealth, but it is about basic comforts. So, you know, trying to make sure that your staff have uh, facilities that they need, that they have basic things like you know healthy meals um healthy meals that they get enough rest that they've got you know bathrooms to use you know like just comfort like just basic things equipment to work with you know so and enough staff so that people aren't stressed so i think forgetting about all the extra stuff and all the training the basics is just a really good place to start which is often um, missing in our industry as a whole you know eating healthy i know that you know a lot it's important in lots and lots of restaurants now, but it is so important because that point where you've got to consider how people are, why they're tired. Is it, you know, they've run out of energy. What, what have we been feeding them? You know, have we just fed them a big pile of stodge for dinner? Um, mm. and, and they've gotten halfway through service and now they've run out of carbs or, you know, whatever. It's just like, so we always have healthy food. You know, there's always options of salad, fresh, fresh vegetables during the, the daytime. There's, um, 
bowl of fruit always in the kitchen, yogurts every Friday, they have smoothies. It's just basic stuff of just their health and well-being that there's stuff there for them they're human beings like sometimes I think we all know when we grew up in kitchens you know we weren't treated like human beings and it was inhumane it's funny I mean we can laugh at it now I had some you know sometimes I catch guys back in the early days like eating just like out of plastic containers and stuff I said what are you doing you know you're not a dog it's not prison you know like you have to eat off of a plate you have to sit down you have to make people take breaks so those are the basic things that you have to get right first and then obviously everything else is on top whether it's a training working with the team as individuals making sure that they know how to do their jobs properly so that just stress is something to just try and remove you know, giving people enough time to learn a section before dropping them in the shit, you know, just basic things like that, maintaining, stopping staff turnover because no one wants to work where people don't turn up the next day because that's just crap, you know, and it's one of the biggest cancers of our industry and it's something that we just drew a line under and we actually managed to stop it at Hospital Road and we've stopped it at core. It just doesn't happen. You know, we put people through two interviews two days trials and we really really talk to them about whether they want to come here and what it means and it's a minimum of two years working here and no one leaves and it's sometimes people do leave before that because it really isn't just for them but it's under an agreement and a notice period and and we work it out between us so we it's respect for the team so that no one leaves anyone else in the shit because that's just that's that's the worst thing that can happen and then people get either pushed back other people on the team to go back onto sections and or someone's dropped in it that's not really trained properly. So just to have that smooth transition is so important. Yeah, definitely. And it's and it's it goes back to what you were saying as well about borrowing things from different industries as well. Like certainly within the corporate world, if you did working in the banking sector or if you worked in an office environment, you would have clear progression routes and you would have the right sort of level of training to be able to move on to the next thing. And also there is that expectations as if you're coming to work here, then we expect you to stay and we'll do everything we can do to make sure that it's a comfortable environment and that you can work at the most optimum level, being both happy, healthy and performance is good as well. So it's it's so refreshing to, to hear. And I know that businesses are starting to change and business owners are looking at this, but there are also still a lot out there who still insist that, you know, you, you eat, eat on the floor during during lunch and you know, they, they just don't understand. Um, and it's a big it's a campaign that I'll be doing later on in this year about looking at the operating profits of businesses and trying to explain to business owners who may not necessarily grasp the concept of well-being and mental health, but certainly start to look at, well, if your net operating profits are only 2% and it's costing you £5,000 to employ someone and turn over a member of staff, then do you not think that, you know, by implementing nutrition, good breaks and, and implementing a better culture is going to be a much more cost significant, you know, exercise than it would be just to keep replacing members of staff and doing detriment and long-term harm to your business. It's, um, I mean, that's a... I think that, you know, chef owners are, are pretty good at, at that because we live in it ourselves. It's our own health and well-being. You know, we, we, we love what we'd like. I love being in my business. I have no intention of, you know, because that's what happens, you know, people, yes, they may want to, they're a bit burnt out themselves and then they leave their restaurant because they don't want to be there themselves. You know, it's like, this is my home. You know, I love it. I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do. I want to be here and I want it to be a good environment to be in. I think, you know, chefs that are owners in their own businesses, I think, are often think about that a lot more 
than than other other people that may just be head chef or they may just have a business but they might not be working in it themselves mm. and I think that's also just a big difference because no one wants to be in that you know I, I wouldn't want to be in that situation or that you know it's not a case of being rock and roll and and making it and then leaving your kitchen when you're 30 because you're already done you're already burnt out yeah 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 definitely well, I appreciate you're busy. Um, and before I let you go, I'd like to ask you the same question I've asked all of my guests. So if you have listened to the podcast, firstly, thank you. Um, secondly, uh, you'll know what's coming. So if you were to travel back in time and sort of visit, a, I don't know, 18 or 20 year old version of yourself, what sort of advice or what sort of uh, pearls of wisdom would you share with yourself? Um, I would say uh, not to be uh, too hard on myself, but then then being hard on myself is probably what got me here um sometimes when i used to make a mistake it take me two days to get over it um but just to take the time and enjoy the journey and don't be in such a rush because all of the things that you learn on the way it, it's all the knowledge that's going to give you the foundations to be to make it all the way to the top and 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 i was always in a rush when i was younger but you know the more you can learn there's plenty of time once you get to the top you know learn as much as you can love it love being in a team of people enjoy all of that time that you get to cook because when you get to the other side you're not necessarily cooking you know and it's like you're a manager a leader all these other things and sometimes now I'm the itching and actually I'm itching I said Johnny the head chef I want to I'm, I'm coming in I'm, I want to prep the, the food I want to do this and that and Johnny's laughing at me thinking what are you what are you doing but I also can't push them out of the way because they want to do it you know it's their job but I miss that you know and it's to so take time enjoy it enjoy the ride enjoy the journey and don't be so hard on yourself and and gain all the skills that you need to so when you do become sous chef head chef it'll be a lot less stressful. You'll be much more effective and actually you'll probably waste less time getting it wrong. Yeah, definitely. And bring back the days where you did spend sort of four or five years in a role learning and perfecting that particular role before you get bumped up as opposed to six months or, or a year now where you find you go from KP up to head chef within no time at all because just that's the way it seems to work nowadays. But, um, yeah really really useful and i really appreciate you taking the time to speak to me so thank you very much for that and congratulations again thank you thanks a lot chris no problem claire i'll see you soon bye 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 thanks for listening to another episode of the burnt chef journal if you want to learn more about the burnt chef project head over to our website www.theburntchefproject.com where you'll find a whole host of resources and information as well as our shop where you can purchase branded merchandise, which helps support the ongoing work that we do in terms of destigmatizing mental health and educating the industry about mental health and mental illness. And finally, if you do want to reach out and speak to someone, then do use our Burnt Chef support service. It's free, confidential, and available 24 hours a day. Just text Burnt Chef to 85258 and we'll have a trained volunteer text you back within five minutes. As always, we look forward to seeing you again next week.